0: Offer valid on select AK Systems sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Hey, Damashek here. Make sure you check out the new episode of the Dave Damashek football program. Maurice Jones, Drew, Ike Taylor, and I are talking about Dak. We're talking about Carson Wentz, the Broncos defense, the Vikings defense, speaking of which, Terrence Newman, one of our favorites, is joining us to talk about Odell Beckham versus Josh Norman, Jalen Ramsey versus Steve Smith, and a whole bunch of other stuff. Check it out on iTunes or NFL.com DDFP. And now, Move the Sticks with Daniel Jeremiah and Bucky Brooks. What's up, everybody? Welcome to Move the Sticks. DJ Bucky here after week three of the NFL season. We've got the college season in full force. And uh, we got a busy episode today, Buck. We've got to talk about some defenses that are tearing up the NFL. We've got some rookie quarterbacks, one of which you made a bold prediction. We will revisit that. Uh, got to get into that as well. And then uh, the, the the acclaimed, the critically acclaimed series undrafted on NFL Network. We actually have one of the stars of the show, Jeremiah Allison, is going to stop by in studio a little bit later in uh, in our episode today. So a lot of ground to cover.
1: A lot of ground to cover. Excited. Uh, great week of games. Not only uh, college Pro, got a nice set of games to look forward to. Uh, It's going to be another football weekend.
0: Yeah. Before we uh, start looking into the future, let's look in the past here for a second, Buck. I I figure we'll start with these rookie quarterbacks and what we've seen because there were three of them. Wentz is the headliner. Obviously, they're still undefeated. Dak Prescott played great, still hasn't thrown an interception. The Cowboys win. But I don't want to start there. I want to start with the man that you boldly predicted Mm -hmm. would throw for 300 yards in a win by the Cleveland Browns. Now, I didn't know which which claim was more absurd, that he would throw for 300 yards or that the Browns would win. Bucky, you, you came – I mean, you really should have – they really should have won should have. You should have had the Browns win. That would have been something uh, to crow about. And then Cody Kessler ended up throwing in the mid-twos, I think 230-something. Uh, a very Terrell, respectable Terrell, day.
1: Terrell Pryor vultured him. If Terrell Pryor doesn't vulture his, his – I think he, Terrell Pryor threw five – had five pass attempts. Those five pass attempts, Cody Kessler goes over three bills.
0: Well, here's the thing. If if you take Terrell Pryor out of the quarterback position, those drives don't get extended, and, and Cody Kessler didn't even get the same number of snaps. So, uh, and then, he, you know, look, if he didn't Look, have, this, you, this is this is what I'll say about Cody Kessler and
1: the way the Browns played on offense. I thought it was a good job of Pep Hamilton and the crew having a nice game plan. They didn't ask him to do too much. They had some success running the ball a little bit. And Terrell Pryor was the X factor. Like having a guy like everything. that that can come in and make plays not only as a receiver but as a re- – as a runner, as a passer, he changed the dynamic, changed the equation. And so if I'm a Browns fan, I'm certainly disappointed, but I'm a little encouraged that Terrell Pryor has kind of grown up and been an X factor. And then when you think about Josh Gordon coming back, if you have to continue to play a guy like Cody Kessler, who doesn't necessarily have like that A-plus arm talent, having weapons around him like a Corey Coleman, a Josh Gordon, a Terrell Pryor can certainly help him look Better and play better than maybe his natural talent would suggest he could be.
0: Yeah, like I don't want to spend too much time here on the Browns, but uh, I did want to give you credit for those two bold calls that were very close. Oh, sure. I was over to. But you also said your third bold prediction that we went all on, on the Browns was that you said Cody Kessler would have more passing yards than Aaron Rodgers. And on that one, my friend, you, you ended up getting that right. Now, Aaron Rodgers threw four touches. But, he uh, but he I think uh, he, he barely had over 200 yards. But he didn't, he didn't have a lot of yards there. Yeah. So you were right on that one. Hats off, my friend.
1: Hats off. How about that? But no, like the two guys that are really kind of like the talk of the league. Um, I think it's important to talk about those guys. Carson Wentz, Dak Prescott. Not only the success that they're having, but how their early success might change the way the teams kind of view quarterbacks in the draft and how some of the teams at the bottom part of the first round make moves to get up to the top of the draft to get a quarterback, a young guy that they can put on a good team and still have success. Yeah,
0: that's the interesting thing here. Let's uh, First of all, with, with Carson Wentz, they're in a position not only with Wentz playing great, but they trade Sam Bradford, get his money off the books. Now you're going to have some money in the offseason next year to go ahead and put some more pieces in place around him. You, he's not going to take up much of your budget is what I'm getting at. And it's the same thing with Dak Prescott. Dak Prescott even more so with, yes. with his salary cap numbers, nothing. So the Dallas Cowboys, I, I mean, look, I'm sure Tony Romo comes back. He goes back in the lineup this year, not next year. Next year it's Dak Prescott, and you can load up around him and be able to spend some money. So the things that impressed me the most about Carson Wentz, I'll start there, their buck. Um, again, they're giving him so much stuff. They're giving him RPOs, some run pass options where he's been great decision maker there. There was one where he pulls the ball out, he wants to raise up and throw it, the, the Steelers jump it. Mm-hmm. So... He ends up holding the ball and kind of moving to his right, and he lets Nelson Aguilar, who was going to be making the block, he has, does a nice job of being aware. He just kind of creates a little something, dumps it off to Aguilar, and they get something out of nothing. Instead of it being what could have been an interception, uh, would have been stoked if it's just an incompletion, he ends up turning into a completion and a positive gain. Just that awareness that he has. So you got run-pass options. you got some quick hitters that they're, that they're giving him. Then you get in third and 12 and they're taking the the training wheels off and he's hitting DGB on a a deep dig uh, for a big-time conversion. He's just making really, really good decisions both inside the offense and outside the offense. I
1: mean, they're doing a great job. We've talked about it on, on our previous videos. This, to me, is a perfect marriage of player, scheme, and kind of the supporting cast in terms of the nurturing environment around him. You have two guys that were longtime backup quarterbacks in the league and Doug Peterson and Frank Wright kind of leading the initiative to get him on the field and to get him ready. You have an adaptable West Coast system that they're kind of tweaking to fit the strengths of his game. You talked about the RPOs. The screen game has been big. They've run some traditional West Coast concepts. The guys around him, look, we talked about, we worried about this wide receiver core during the preseason, but in that system, sometimes you can win with B, B-plus players on the perimeter if the system is going. The quarterback is an A-level quarterback. He's making those guys look good. And the thing that I'm impressed about him is the game doesn't look too big for him. And a lot of the question marks, are questions that people had coming in, oh, he didn't have enough reps, didn't have enough throws. His throws were lower compared to what Jerry Goff experienced at Cal. He's showing... That that might not matter. Quality reps. That's quality yeah. reps in a pro style system yep. has translated into big success. hats off to Carson Wentz for also adopting what Chase Daniel brought with him, which was that Drew Brees preparation, where they're working coming in at at five thirty in the morning. They're really digging into the tape, working a day ahead of the game plan. He is a prepared player, and I think because he's so prepared we don't see the nervous and the jitters that we see from most young players.
0: Yeah, we, we talk about this in one of the videos, by the way. We also have a video up when we were talking earlier about Terrell Pryor. You can check out all of our videos on YouTube uh, slash NFL, youtube.com slash NFL. But um, you, we switch over from Wentz to, to Dak Prescott. You know, again, the, the poise and the decision-making, it's So it's so important. And that tells you that is a great predictor of what you're going to be in the future. And a lot of times the success doesn't even come early with that. But you say, okay, I can still see the poises there. You know, maybe maybe the ball's not on on target, or maybe me- makes a mistake here or there. But I, I, it's not big, and he's very he's comfortable and relaxed in the pocket. I think we're seeing that with Dak Prescott. And then you add on that he's he's making big time throws. So I mean, you've got all this this foundation to build off of with his poise. But now you have the physical ability. He threw a ball, and Chris Collinsworth actually pointed out. As a quarterback, you're always taught you never throw late to the flat. You throw late to the flat, that thing's going that thing's going the other way, and it's a touchdown. And uh, and he's late to the flat, and I was like, whoa, I didn't know he had that kind of juice. He had a big-time arm to get that ball in there.
1: You know, I think the big thing we can take away, like, and, and we always do this as scouts, you look at your report that you had on a player in college, hopefully you're always open to be critical of yourself when you go back into the evaluation. And I think – What we now know, having watched Mississippi State fall off since he left, that maybe Dak was the guy that was kind of keeping it all together. The fact that they were a number one team in the country at one point while he was there, he was an underdog. He played well in big games for them. You talk about the poise, the leadership, and those things. Yes, he didn't have all the physical things in terms of the way he played in Mississippi State, but he's really improved as a pocket passer. What we're seeing him do in terms of going through the progressions, his command of the offense. The Cowboys have done a really good job of trying to stick to the running game, but then you got to kind of like give credit where credit is due. Dak Prescott's ability to kind of run that wide open offense, to go empty, to find the right guys, to develop the relationship with not only Jason Witten, but Cole Beasley. They're balling. He's balling. I'm really impressed with what he's done as well as Carson Wentz.
0: Yeah, it's gonna be interesting. NFC East. You had the the Redskins get a big win over the Giants, so it kind of leveled the playing field here. You've got the Eagles sitting there undefeated, three and O. So it's gonna be interesting to follow these teams in that division. Uh, one of the things I want to hit on, Buck, is the defensives that we're seeing so far in the NFL. I'm just gonna give, yeah. give you some. I'm gonna give you some some teams here, and just kind of start wrapping your head around this of what you think. Minnesota, Denver, Philadelphia, Kansas City, Baltimore, Carolina, Seattle. We've got a lot of defenses playing at an elite level, Buck. And so far, when I look at the Minnesota Vikings being undefeated, to go in and get a win at Carolina in the fashion in which they did, that might – I take the Patriots' win over Houston at home, considering the quarterback situation, I maybe put that one aside. Aside from that, I think that might be the biggest win of the season, what the Vikings did at Carolina.
1: I think it is the biggest win of the season. Not only the way that they, they were able to go on the road and win. I think that's something that we thought that they were a team that could compete with Carolina but the fashion, the way they would go in there and go toe-to-toe in a physical game, come from behind, win the game. And the way they beat up Cam Newton, I want to say they, they sacked him eight times, knocked him around a little bit, and they were very, very frustrated that they couldn't move the ball. They bottled up and contained all those guys on the outside. They didn't let the running game get untracked. And then they just physically beat them and had their way with them. And so when you look at the teams in the NFC, the, the last five teams that have been able to represent that team in the Super Bowl, the San Francisco 49ers, the Seattle Seahawks, the Carolina Panthers, all those teams were built a certain way where the defense kind of was the calling card. When I look at the Minnesota Vikings and how they can kind of take the air out of the balloon in terms of the way their defense is stifling, their team, that, regardless of who plays quarterback, who's a tailback, they're going to be in the mix. They can be in the mix
0: as a Super Bowl contender because that defense is lights out, and they got young talent that could run, hit, and cover. No question. I think the one thing for their team going forward, I know Adrian Peterson's not there, but they got to find a way to run the ball a little bit better. Yeah. They have not been effective in, in that department, but defense, special teams, they get a punt return for a touchdown. So I always say you got to win two phases. They did it in this game in dominating fashion. You mentioned the eight sacks. They have guys at all three levels of their defense that are making plays. Everson Griffin, man, is he good. Uh, he, he loves just widen a tackle and bowl right through him. He's got a spin move. Um, Robeson on the other side is a solid player and then you've got Linville Joseph who can push the pocket so you don't have anywhere to escape when you've got these two guys coming off the edge with speed and then you look at Anthony Barr they used him to spy a little bit against Cam Newton he was effective in that role, Kendricks has the instincts and Harrison Smith in the back end buzzing all over the place, you mentioned the corners I mean, they just got, they got playmakers all over the field
1: Playmakers all over the field. They have dominant players in key position. Anthony Barr is kind of the X factor because, look, when we watched him coming out of college, we had him kind of pinpointed as like the pass rusher. But they did a great job of making him a Sam linebacker where he's playing up and off the line of scrimmage. They can use him as that fifth man as a pass rusher, but he also can take advantage of his athleticism and allow him to do things like he did last week where he spied on Cam Newton. He was a green dog, a selective rusher late in the mix, and he made some plays. And the speed in the back end is – Apparently, Trey Waynes is beginning to play well. Harrison Smith is a Pro Bowl player. I'm looking to see how long does it take before they can get McKenzie Alexander on the field. But right now, I am impressed with the Minnesota Vikings because they've drafted well. They put a huge investment on the defense, and now we're we'll beginning to see it pay off, pay big di- dividends.
0: Denver goes on the road and wins against the uh, the Bengals, Buck. And, and Shane Ray has a hat trick, has three sacks, a player we both like coming through the draft process. When I went, went and watched those sacks, it was interesting. Um, sometimes sacks are an individual uh, statistic, but a lot of times it's a team effort. And one of the sacks, when I broke them down, one of them, you've got uh, Vaughn Miller just flying off the other edge and kind of just pushes the quarterback right to Shane Ray, and he, he gets Andy Dalton down on the ground. You've got another one where they line up T.J. Ward outside of him and they've got uh, the Bengals have Jake Fisher in that wing. You know, they kind of use the extra tackle yep. as a tight end. He's in that wing position, and he's he engages He engages with Shane Ray, and he sees 43 coming off the edge and goes, wait, ho- hold up. Like what? Am I, what? So yep. he kind of gets caught in that in-between zone. Both guys end up coming scot-free. He gets a sack there. And then another one, you've got Jared Crick, who's lined up inside of him a defensive tackle. Completely collapses the pocket, and again, there's nowhere for him to escape, and he ends up getting his third sack. So, three sacks, huge individual honor, but these are these is team sacks really with what they're doing in Denver.
1: Man, what they're doing is, is is remarkable. Wade Phillips has done a great job of you know putting in a very very simple scheme, but they have the athletes that can execute it without um, hesitation. That pass rush, Shane Ray. When they took him, it was a luxury pick. It was a bonus pick that they were able to get a young pass rusher to play in place of Demarcus Ware. Demarcus Ware's on the sideline. Shane Ray jumps to the lineup, plays opposite Von Miller. You talk about collecting the hat trick. That is a huge get. When you look in the back end, Bradley Roby has been a key addition because he's that third corner, but the third corner is now starting the league. With him, to Talib, and Chris Harris Jr. playing very, very well. And as those lockdown defenders, they're able to play man coverage and really come after you. And so this defense can kind of knock you off. And as long as the offense isn't turning it over and putting them in bad situations, it's a team that is very, very tough to deal with.
0: Philadelphia with Jim Schwartz rushing four and uh, just getting after the quarterback. Brandon Graham's playing great. Fletcher Cox, he put DeCastro on skates several times (laughs) in that game. He was dominant. He ended up, uh, we'll talk about this a little bit later, I think, on Total Access, on Wednesday's Total Access, Buck, show a play of, of Fletcher Cox and what he does running down Antonio Brown. So, they're, they've been great up front. The safeties, Malcolm Jenkins, you love him, I love him, but he's been playing great ball.
1: He's been playing great ball. In that game, they gave him the responsibility where they kind of cross match some things. Antonio Brown is a guy that runs a lot of shallow crossers and those things, and their zone coverage, be it two or be it four, sometimes you can exchange those things where the safety will take the crosser and the corner will roll to the post. We saw Malcolm Jenkins able to do that, and what he was able to do is make plays on the ball. A lot of times, those are the easy completions that Antonio Brown gets and turns into big games. The Eagles were not having any of it. Uh, Malcolm Jenkins played a big role because he was the guy that could sniff that stuff out and make big plays on it.
0: Yeah, no, he was outstanding. Kansas City, what do you what can you say? Six interceptions speaks for itself.
1: I mean, they played a bad quarterback, a quarterback that was off his game, but what I will say is those guys made plays when they had to make them. They had a number of red zone plays, and so the Jets went up and down the field in between the 20s, but they bogged down, they would settle down, and Kansas City got turnovers. And turnovers are not only demoralizing because it robs the team of uh, opportunity to score any kind of points, be it field or touchdown, but it gives them momentum. Marcus Peters, Eric Berry, the rest of that crew, they were like a band of thieves. If they can continue to get those kind of turnovers, they're going to be a formidable team. And on offense, they're getting just enough from their running backs and their playmakers on the outside to score enough points to win.
0: Baltimore, they got a couple balls from, from your guy Blake Bortles in that game. Yeah, Buck, Blake, Blake, Blake. defense continue. this year, though.
1: Yeah, Blake is Santa Claus right now. He likes to give those presents to the defense. He likes to give them away early. And the Baltimore Ravens are capitalizing. I think we all can say that the Ravens have not necessarily brought their best performance, particularly on offense, but the defense is doing a great job of keeping the score down and giving them a chance. It's not a dominating defense of yesteryear. But it's getting there because they got some young players that are beginning to kind of step up in those key roles and make plays.
0: Yeah, Zadarius Smith flashed a little bit, second- or third-year player out of Kentucky. Who was, yes. was the opposite of Bud Dupree. Remember when uh, when he yep. was coming out of the draft? He's turned into a nice player for him. Suggs had a couple sacks. They were both kind of effort sacks. You can call them garbage sacks if you want, but he collected them nonetheless. Saw Eric Weddle get his hands on a couple footballs. So, look, the Baltimore defense is playing well. It's just kind of in their, in their DNA there. I don't think they're as gifted athletically as they've been in the past – but they've been solid. Carolina and Seattle, I know Carolina didn't win this game against Minnesota, but I know their defense played well enough for them to win.
1: No, their defense is always play well. They're going to be physical up front. They can run around. The thing that they're trying to do is break in young corners, and sometimes that can be hard. you got two young corners playing on the island, not getting a lot of help. Um, even though they play a lot of matchup zone, those young guys kind of have to pick it up. But, I mean, their defense is playing well enough to win. I think the big thing for Carolina is they got to fix their offense, get Cam back on track, get the running game back on track because – the running game complements the defense because the shortens the game limits limits possessions and they're not able to do that right now.
0: Seattle, uh, look, they they are dialed in on that side of the ball right now. Bobby Wagner buzzing around making all kind of plays. They uh, they had a dominating win over San Francisco, but this this Seahawk team, you know, Russell Wilson gets hurt. They kind of been, you know, they've been at times explosive on offense. Other times they go in a little bit of a rut. Kristen Michael got rolling, so the offense is starting to feel better about that.
1: Jimmy Graham had a 100 Jimmy Graham, That is a big big, um, announcement, a big thing for them is to finally get him involved. For two years, we haven't really figured out how they wanted to use him. He started to make plays, and I think the thing that I noticed when I looked at the tape, Russell's now beginning to get a better understanding of where to put the ball, knowing that his guy can win the 50-50 balls. I felt like early in Jimmy Graham's stay in Seattle, he was hesitant, to throw the ball to Jimmy Graham. Now I think he knows, so he's more willing to kind of put up some of those fifty-fifty balls in his direction.
0: Yeah, no question. Well, we're gonna uh, on on Thursday's episode. We're gonna jump into the matchups we have for the upcoming NFL weekend, Buck. But uh, before we go to our guest here, Jeremiah Allison, star of the uh, NFL Network, critically acclaimed show Undrafted, is going to join us in studio. Before we get to him, uh, let's recap a little bit of what went on in the college weekend. As much as I don't want to, because my picks were terrible. Sully, go ahead. Your Vols won. Congratulations!
2: Yeah, thanks, fellas. Uh, that was a big win. Eleven years—way too long. And uh, Bucky and I were talking before we were taping our videos. Josh Dobbs. Josh Dobbs. Josh Dobbs brought it. Brought it. Brought it. In the, and in the first half, I only out, watched the first half. Started out a soccer eight, game, so started, I only saw the first out half. one of eight. But it wasn't as bad. Some drops. Some drop balls. Uh, a couple of touchdowns dropped too, as well. Um, big third downs. Wide receivers really didn't help him out as much. Second half, being able to stand in the pocket, all three touchdown passes he had in the second half, some had plays. somebody in his face and made some plays. Finally, that uh, that fourth fourth best QB ranking, Bucky Brooks put on him, uh, paid paid you for it, right? Bucky's
0: yeah. long since punted on that. On yeah, that, I mean, I that,
1: I, I know, but you know what? It felt good to do, and I'm I'm not gonna lie. Yeah. Um, so at the end of that game, I might have swayed a little bit. I might have done. I might. I might have swayed. I may. I may have kind of serenaded. Rocky Top to the dog in the house because that was yes. a big. that was a big win. That was a big win for the Vols.
2: Oh, believe me, I was singing uh, Rocky Top all night. So, so was, go yeah. ahead, give us the updated standings here. I took updated a Big step, big step backward for me.
0: Bad week for me, Buck.
2: Bucky, Bucky, really, uh, yeah, really I lost started, one game. Only lost one
0: Which one game. Think? Went uh, nine and one. I lose. I lose.
2: I lose. SC Uh, let me. Oh, let you me picked Utah. You picked Utah. Um. Yes, Utah was your only loss and then then oh, swept it.
0: But SC should have won the oh, game. Oh, no, 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 no. Give no. it away.
2: No, he picked Utah.
0: Where where was your uh, – I picked SC. Of
2: course I did. I picked Rolano. FSU. Pick Tennessee. UNC. Uh,
0: Are you disputing this right now, Buck? I, I
2: think I you know? might have gone undefeated. Uh-oh. I think Kent counted it wrong. We have some hanging chads. Hanging chads. Wow. So we have some hanging chads. Oh!
1: That makes up for my fantasy team. Bucky, Bucky going,
2: went Utah, Michigan State. Um, oh, just a uh, loss. Know, that's a big loss. Yeah, that's, that's right. That's lost. right. We went. Michigan we went. State. We went Michigan Sparty. State across the board. Yeah. That's right. Sparty got, that's Sparty right. got, Sparty Sparty got me. me. Yeah. yeah, Sparty got us all. Um, so Bucky went nine and one. Uh, I went eight and two. Woo. DJ and Kent went six and four. Yes, Overall standings: week. thirty and ten. Bucky storms into the lead. Wow. Kent, Rocky Top. Rocky Top. That's right. Kent twenty nine and eleven. I went 27-13 overall, and DJ bringing up the rear at 25-15. and 15.
0: So how many games back am I? Five? You're five. I can make that up. I yeah. A big, big week. Big gotta go week. Got to go week. bold this week. How about Notre Dame losing to Duke? Yeah, that's a bad one. How, yeah. When, when you come that's, out and say that we coached well, I think Coach Kelly said, you know, one thing I was happy with was the coaching, and the next day he fired his defensive coordinator. Yeah. Interesting, interesting times in college football. Less Miles, Buck, what's your thoughts? You know, I I think here's the thing. He's a victim
1: of his own success, and I will say, of course, he piggybacked off Nick Saban's success prior there. But I remember in the, you know, 80s, 90s, for a while, LSU was just an, an average team. And I think anytime a coach wins 77% of those games, man, it's just hard to justify it. And so now that he's gone, they have to hit a home run. It has to be a Tom Herman. It has to be a Jimbo Fisher. Uh, I know Brian Kelly's name is – Possibly been mentioned.
0: Somebody threw Dan Mullen's name in there. Actually, kind of thought that could be a good hire. Supposedly, uh, the
2: first two people they contacted were Tom Herman and Art Bryles. Uh, Oh, that'd be a tough sell. Yeah, that'd be a tough sell.
1: I don't know if that would be a tough sell. And this is why I say it won't necessarily be a tough sell. In the SEC, football's king. Anything goes. But. That's a bad situation
0: at Baylor, though, man. True.
1: Yeah. I don't dispute that. But if you give Art Bryles. That kind of talent. Oh my gosh! And that kind of defense. Oh
2: my gosh! Yeah, you, <sighs> you take the politics out of it. it w- just imagine what he would have done with like Jarvis Landry and Jeremy
0: Hill and all those guys, all those off- offensive weapons that they had. Woo. I didn't know that. I didn't hadn't heard the Art yeah. name. Yep. Interesting. What do you think about Dan Mullen though? If you can win it, if you can win whatever he's been, you can winning win, nine, see, ten games. See, I, oh, oh yeah. See, now, what I, can you do I, at LSU? I, I, feel, I felt like for Dan Mullen, does he fall forward after losing? Well, Wait, here's here's the other thing. Here's the other thing though. And I'm, I'm super intrigued by Tom Herman. I, I love everything that he's done. But w- when everybody talks about Tom Herman, the number one thing that they say, right? What's the number one thing? Oh, he's been around Urban Meyer. Yep. Well, you got another coach who's been around Urban Meyer who's also gone on from being around Urban Meyer to being a successful guy in Starkville. True. Or Starkville, depending Stark- on where you're from. Stark Vegas. Yeah, there you go. I got one, but I, I'll throw another name in there. How about, because we're in L.A., how about Lane Kiffin? That's the fun Ooh. one. That's the tabloid one. Somebody had a great line that said this would be the ultimate Lane Kiffin move. Would oh, be to my gosh. would cuz Ordron's there right now, right? They were together at SC. Mm-hmm. So they hired Lane Kiffin in season before they play Alabama and he's the head coach against Alabama. That is that's like the greatest reality. <laughs> that's like the greatest reality show ever. Like what do you do you promote Sark from like uh Yeah, because oh, Sark's the, uh, OC in waiting. Yeah, know, right, I think right, he has right. to be
2: OC
1: and waiting, but I I do think it's interesting with Lane Kiffin uh, potentially going there because if you want some of the Saban sauce, which it appears that LSU fans want, that guy's been sitting there under under Saban. He's taking the program in. We've seen the changes that he's made to the offense. I think he might have some support in terms of getting that job. I think the LSU job is interesting. And I'm going to say this about Tom Herman because I like Tom Herman. I liked him like when I had opportunity to be around him in the draft. But man, we have anointed him like
2: Oh, he's
0: way up
1: there now. I mean he's he's he's
2: all
0: the he's way up. up. Every I coaching mean, every
1: coaching opening
2: that's gonna happen for the rest And and, of the and he's
1: done a terrific job at Houston, but I will say this about Houston. Houston's kind of been an okay job already. You look at the start, Art Browse. Sumlin. Sumlin. Everybody that's kind of gone there has had a level
2: of success. And you add in the fact that their boosters are throwing money at them, uh they're building new facilities, huge recruiting banks around there in Houston. Like that that's a growing power right there. and, and Herman's kind of he's not doing it with Kevin Cobb though. Right.
0: He's having to do it with Greg Moore. <laughs> <laughs> he is doing it
2: with
1: G
0: Moore, no, I'm just saying. He Look, is. I I love I love uh I love the stuff that he's done so far. It's a very limited resume, but I think you go back and look what he did with that offense at Ohio State, and when he left Ohio State, eh, didn't yeah. I mean, he, he has a lot. As, it didn't look has, the same. He has
1: a lot of things he's, working in his favor. And I, I look, he's he's going he's going to get six, seven million dollars a year. He's the pretty girl. He's the pretty better girl job. The better
0: better job though. SC or if SC were to open up, better job. LSU or USC.
1: LSU is a better job just because of the hotbed of recruiting talent that's around there. Um, the SEC, look, no disrespect to out west and the Pac-12. In the SEC, in the south, it's it's football. It's all ball all the time. And I think what you're able to do down in the south in terms of the recruiting, in terms of kind of implementing the program that you want, I think you do it without restrictions. If you're one of those, we call it kind of like that dirty, the dirty recruiting, you can do it because – you're in LSU. They want to win. They want to win at a high level. I just think it's a different thing than SE. However, Tom Herman's from out here. He went to Cal Lutheran. Um, that might be akin to coming home in a way.
0: All right. Let me just let me I'm just gonna take the other side of this Devil, devil's advocate here. You said LSU's a better job. Great recruits down there, no question. Um, especially defensive linemen. They're unbelievable. But you've got Cal Southern California's hotbed as well. Mm-hmm. Here's here's who you have to who here's who you have to beat out to go to the conference championship. Oh, I know, I know. Colorado, yes. UCLA, Arizona, Arizona State, or Utah. Now you want to take travel that route, or you want to go down there and mess around with yeah the, the greatest coach of all time in college football and a powerhouse in Alabama. You got to deal with Arkansas. You got to deal with Arkansas and that physical. You got Ole Miss and all those athletes they're going to throw at. I mean, it's a tougher road, like. Everyone you want to says, sign up for that? And by the way, the the uh, the coach that's at Alabama used to be at LSU, and you're expected to beat, to beat him. him right out right the gate immediately. Um, and 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 the expectations at USC—they might win like five games this year. They, you, the expectations at USC have never been will have never been lower than they will be at this point in time. If you go to USC next year and he goes nine and four, he gets energized and, and, and gets in the conference championship game. I mean. And let's say this. Let's say this. With for the, the time
1: being. With the athletes that they have at USC and the offense that we've seen him run, not only at Ohio State but at Houston, it would be easy for him to go and get playmakers. And then the one thing that SC has never had, but it would be a change for them, is imagine if he's able to get one of those dynamic athletic quarterbacks. Run around. At SC that could run around. I think the guy they
0: got. I think Darnold can run around a little bit, could you do You know, what he to, wants to, to, do. to be able to do He could do the JT those, Barrett
1: stuff. Absolutely. To do some of those things. That would be a change because even in that conference, we haven't really seen that Oregon has kind of changed a little bit. It certainly would be intriguing. The other thing that I say with Tom Herman, and I know you talked about Houston and the facilities or whatever, the path of least resistance. If Houston, say they go into the Big 12, we've seen him knock off Oklahoma. Mm-hmm. We've seen them kind of knock around. Be Florida some State. You know, I mean, I don't know who is the tough defensive power in that conference, but – he takes his offense. He's already there. Maybe he gets a statue in Houston and kind of becomes
0: a guy. But we'll see. How, how. Yeah, That'd be interesting to see See what happens there. All right, Buck, let's, uh, let's jump back over to the NFL side. Actually, this kind of bridged the gap because we're going to talk about the process of going through your college career and then wanting to pursue that NFL career but, but going undrafted. And that's where we find ourselves right now with Jeremiah Allison, one of the stars of the undrafted series, sitting down to join us. All right, Bucky. We've got a movie star. We've got a movie star in the studio. <laughs> we've got the uh, the star of the Undrafted Series, Jeremiah Allison, former linebacker at Washington State, a Koog, up there. And by the way, one of my I don't know I would say sneaky favorite place to visit as a scout <laughs> up there in the police. Just don't get caught speeding through Colfax. That oh, yeah, was yeah. exactly yeah. what I'm talking about. How you
3: doing, man? I'm doing pretty good, man. How about yourself?
0: Pretty I'm good. doing great. Now, now I want to start right there. Maybe the worst speeding trap for scouts, absolutely, in the country is driving up to Washington State, going up through Colfax. Have you ever gotten a ticket going through there? You
3: know, I actually put my car on cruise control <laughs> when I go through Colfax just to make sure if anything happening. Oh, I was on cruise control. I know how fast I was going.
0: Yeah, I, I, I haven't got one ticket in Colfax because I've gotten two tickets. <laughs> you better not Col- go. Oh, well, you got two. Never mind. Yeah, no, I'm, not, I'm not going back. I'm going to go see Washington State play on the road. Right, got you. Well, how has this experience been for you, man? It's 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 interesting time in your life when you're going from – finishing your college career to pursuing your professional career it's another thing to have cameras kind of documenting the whole thing how has this been for you
3: well it's definitely been a blessing I would say that um you know to have my life story on camera um you know it could be because it's documented um sometimes it's very stressful because some things don't turn out the way you expect them to turn out or you intend them to turn out however I mean it's, it's definitely a blessing I'm not taking anything from it
1: you know I'm thinking about that you talk about how you want things to turn out and how they haven't necessarily gone according to script. Talk a little bit about your journey since you left Washington state and what you've been doing in terms of trying to kind of keep the dream alive in terms of pursuing your NFL career.
3: So, I mean, as of lately, I have to stay active. Um, You know, the reason why I have to stay active because I don't want my mind to get to roam in work places, places it doesn't need to roam. So one thing that I do, I do is always stay active in whether I'm studying for the LSAT or, you know, making strides towards my you know legal career um but you know I'm still training um you know my agent calls and say oh well this team want to give you a, try- a tryout or this team want to see you run the 40 or this he want to see you do something so every time my phone rings I'm on edge because like is this the call is this the call is this the call but I mean at the end of the day I have to only control what I can control
0: for those that haven't seen the series it's it's fantastic by the way the Undrafted series. Um, one of the things that's really—I mean—it's—it's it's emotional, really, when you watch your story and what you've been through in your life. Um, you know, growing up in Minnesota, parents get separated. You end up moving out to Los Angeles, going to Dorsey High School out there. Your mom has just been your backbone. You—you—you you, you get straight A's in college. You end up going on, or in high school, you end up going on to Washington State. And while you're—you know—this story, this amazing story, is developing. You have just an an unfortunate, just an awful situation there with your mother.
3: Yeah, um, I think it took me a while to understand what happened. I mean, because, you know, at the end of the day, we're human. And my my first initial question was, why me? Um, But at the end of the day, I found a way to look at it in a positive light. Um, Because when it first happened, I was was shocked. Um, And then, you know, as some people know, my mom actually stayed in a reduced coma for seven months. So... It happened December 14th and I just so happened to get recruited by Washington State December 14th. They came to my school and then, um, you know, I got the call. My mom's not moving. She's not breathing. And I instantly jumped in my car. And I I don't know how I got from Dorsey to the east side by Fremont in 10 minutes, but I was there. No speeding ticket or anything. Mm-hmm. But um, I don't know. As I look back on it. I really, you know, am thankful that it happened that way than opposed to my mom just leaving December 14th because I had a chance to, one, live on my own um, and, you know, prepare myself for life without my mother. And, two, I felt that my mom didn't rest until she knew I was out of L.A., in college, on the football team, and, you know, doing good things for myself that, you know, we had planned all along.
1: You know, a lot of young guys go to college and they don't have a backup plan. You're in a situation where, yes, you want to pursue your dreams, but it's very clear and apparent that you have a backup plan. You talk about studying for the LSAT, which prepares you to go to law school and those things. Right. How were you able to come from a tough environment yet still have the wherewithal to make a plan to use education to be one of the things that helps you get out of that environment?
3: Well, my biggest thing was I understood the big picture. Um, You know, I hear – I know a lot of guys, you know, at Dorsey, you know, he went to NFL and, you know, some of them not in the NFL anymore. And they always would come back and tell us that the NFL stands for not for long. So my thing was I had to equip myself with the tools to make sure I was successful after football. So – I took a liking to law. When I was a kid, um, I was like, you know what? I want to know my rights. And I've been playing chess since I was three. So when I went to Dorsey, in order for me to get into Dorsey, I had to be in a magnet program. And it just so happened that Dorsey was had a law magnet program. So I'm like, oh, let me, you know, check it out. And then um, I was on a debate team. So I said, oh, okay. It's like chess. You got to, you know, strategically beat your opponent out. Mm-hmm. And then, um, you know, things went on. And I'm like, man, I, I really, I, I found my niche. I like this.
0: That's great. Do you have an NFL team that you followed growing up that you were a fan of?
3: So I was born in Minneapolis. Okay. Um, and, you know, of course, I got a chance to meet Dennis Green, you know, mm-hmm. the late Dennis Green, and Randy Moss and Chris Carter, all at the Boys and Girls Club. So then when they start to disperse and, uh, you know, they weren't longer, no longer with the Minnesota Vikings, I seen Brett Favre down the street, I said – And then I was a rebel anyway. I wanted to go (laughs) against the house. So, I'm like, I'm a great Bay fan, you know? (laughs) Nice. Nice. That's So,
0: what's your take? Now, you say you've got a debate background now. I just need to know. Look, my guy here, Bucky, said last week he thought Cody Kessler was going to throw for more yards than Aaron (laughs) Rodgers. So, basically, what he was saying is he really thinks Cody Kessler (laughs) is better than Aaron Rodgers. So, just debate him a little bit. Just tell him why Aaron Rodgers is the best quarterback in the NFL.
3: I mean, you know, statistics statistics speak for themselves. I mean, you can't really argue the fact. And, I mean – Um, we actually had an argument about that on a bus when we were going to a game, and um, it just so happened to be a no-cal, SoCal argument. And they said, well, the best players come out of no-cal. And I said, how so? They said, well, we got Aaron Rodgers, Marshawn Lynch. And uh, I was like, okay, fine, you win. But at the end of the day, I mean, Aaron Rodgers, he's a champion. You can't argue with a champion. They kept on making that argument, well, LeBron don't have a ring. He can't be the greatest. I mean, Aaron Rodgers have a ring. No doubt. Don't have right You don't have to argue for Cody Kessler, but <laughs> I'm not
0: going to argue. argue. I'm not going to argue. I'm just going to. I'll take. I'll There you go. I'll take that. Right, I'll take I'll he's that he's out. gifted. I'll take man. He's gifted. <laughs> I'll tell you what. You. You. Uh, we wish you the best of luck in your future going forward. We want you to chase that dream. Such a mature guy, though, man. That you're, you. You've got two dreams going on on different tracks, and you're making it happen. And, and we're uh, we're proud of you. We're rooting for you, and we look forward to watching the show. It's at 8 p.m. Eastern mm-hmm. Tuesdays undrafted on NFL Network. You're gonna hear all about Jeremiah's story. It's yeah. fascinating. Wish you the best okay. of luck,
3: man. Thank you. I gotta say go Cougs. I mean I can't. There you go. Go,
0: to go. go Cougs. Go cooks. <laughs> <laughs> all right, Buck. Well that's uh, that's gonna do it for us. Jeremiah Allison, neat guy, huh?
1: Very intriguing, very compelling, uh interesting story. Uh wish the best for him either way, whether it's football, whether it's the legal profession. He seemed like he has a nice plan in place, I'm sure it'll work out for him.
0: Yeah, we get a lot of uh, a lot of personnel guys listen to this, so hey Pop in that tape. Look at it one more time. See if we can give my man a shot here. Give him a tryout. See what he can do. He's a great kid, and uh, again, very, very smart guy. Got his, got his law, his law thing going on. and It's not a bad fallback plan. So it's cool to visit with him. We had a lot of, uh, a lot of fun talking NFL and college football today. A big episode coming up on Thursday, Buck, to preview the weekend. We've got a ton of videos for everybody to check out on YouTube right now.
1: Absolutely. Uh, make sure you go back and, and see some of the old videos that we had, especially the top throws and things that we've been putting up. And also look forward to these preview pieces that we're going to do on Thursday.
0: Yeah, lots to lots to get to here before the weekend comes. But it's been a fun day. Sully, nice job behind the glass. Arjuna kicking butt as always. And, uh, Buck, we'll be back here next week. Do it all over again. Actually, Thursday. Forget next week. Let's do it on Thursday.
3: Thanks for downloading Move the Sticks with Daniel Jeremiah and Bucky Brooks. For more, go to NFL.com
0: slash podcasts. You go into your shower feeling